Hello, people, and welcome to another fun-filled QPR podcast. Um, this evening, I've, I've kind of gone for a younger audience tonight because I'm so freaking old. The only person younger than me is probably Moses these days, but never mind, we'll move on. Um, first of all, welcome back, Robert Gilbert. It's been a while. Thank you. Thank you for saying I'm young, because at 37, I don't feel particularly young, but I, I'll take it, Paul. Thank you. I remember you when you were at school, mate, so don't you worry about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll say nothing wrong, but yes, I, I feel. Do you know it's really weird when I at work the other day we a mitzvah boy came in for his wedding. That's all I'm saying. That's oh, when wow. you know you yeah. That's when you know this you be doing. And then when the mitzvah boy comes in for the wedding, and then his son, I'm retiring. I'm too old. Anyway, time, time waits for no man, Finny. Time waits for no man. Christ, I mean, can you wait a wee bit, Robert? Then we'll get deep. Don't get deep too early. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Let's just give it. Also, after a long and way too long, actually, it's probably my fault. It's George Sharp. George, I'm sorry you've had to wait so long to get back to the podcast. Basically, I'm a plank. I'm sorry. It's all right. Thanks for having me back. I mean, listeners, are you hearing this voice now? We George's voice is broke. I don't mean yeah. to patronise you, but that's a bit weird. Yeah, it feels like the other day, doesn't it? But yeah, 15 now. It's gone well quick. Well quick. Well, yeah, yeah, right. Don't come on here and try and be youthful. I'm 53, it work, okay. Um, it's, it's, it's just wrong and it makes me feel very old. Um, when are you, when are you, when, when yeah, are you still at school then, George? Yeah, I'm in year 10 at the moment, so I've yes. like properly started GCSEs now, so it's good. Not actually then, doing them, but revision stuff. And then you'll leave, go to university. Probably not afford to get a mortgage, but no one else can, so it's fine. And um, before you know it, you'll be 37 and going to every away match is pissed as a fart. Crazy. Can't wait. Feel like your dad. And we've also, <laughs> first time pod. It is a first time, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, it is. It is your first time, Sam Joffle. Is that right? Uh, Sam Jolliffe, nearly. Jolliffe. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. I mean, I get everyone's name wrong. You can just call me Sam Field for convenience, I guess. But um, yeah, ha- thanks for having me on. You're more than welcome, Sam. You're currently at university, so you you cla- are you still classified as you for you now over the hill? Um, depends what you mean by the hill. If by the hill you mean just feeling really old and philosophical about QPR, then I guess yes. But uh, okay, I here's like a to- question. I like how, old you- how old were you when the playoff final was? Uh, I think I was 10. Right, that's enough. Robert, so what's your reason for you? <laughs> 10? Yeah, I was there. I thought you were 10. I think so. Or no, 11. 11, 11. No, that's much better than 11. No, I don't feel so shit about myself. <laughs> George, were you there? Yeah, I was there. I think I was about 7, 8. I started going... QPR 92-93 so probably the first season of the Prem so you know you've got Les Ferdinand Bardsley Wilson Wilkin and my, we finished fit and my dad said to me it will never get better than this I was like, <laughs> and he my was right school. he was right it's never been better than fifth in the Prem and George I suppose the playoff final is probably similar it will never get better than that <laughs> yeah well 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it happened so early, but you know, um, maybe lad, in years you get a moment, but maybe you peak too soon. In 50 years, when we're in like Munich, Berlin, or Barcelona for the Champions League final, we're going to phone Robert and say, Hi, Yeah, we'll be quoting you on uh, that. Yeah, please, God. Please, God. Now, Robert, you, you were talking earlier on about you want to say something about young people and bring them to <laughs> games. So let's, we're going to talk about hold in a minute, but just say, get it off your chest nice and early. I, I okay, I, no, I wanted to, to bring up on the pod this week. Uh, I went to, I got a season ticket. Um, and I brought my five, nearly six-year-old son to the Swansea game with me. And he's been six, seven times before. Of course, he's only seen us win once. He was just happy to see a goal. Um, and by the end of the game, he was bored, which you expect from someone that young. But it sort of got me thinking, there is so little going on for kids at QPR on the match day. The match day experience for kids and for fans in general is shocking. Like, genuinely shocking. If you break it down, so you're walking along South Africa Road and what's there? Got power lead. Where's the QPR presence along the, along the South Africa Road as you're walking down the road? Where's the, you know, it's okay to have two Jude the Cat costumes. Everyone knows it's a bloke inside. You can have one outside the ground and have one in the ground. You know, I don't think we're that hard up with FFP that you can have something there. There's no feeling that something's going on. So you walk to the ground. It's, I think it's pretty abysmal. Um, maybe, you know, I know we haven't got facilities to do much within the ground. So block book out power league. Have, you, have a legend waiting on pitch four at Power League or a U-team goalkeeper that kids can take penalties against. Just something to get kids excited because, as we know, a QPR, it's not like going to Arsenal or Man U where you go and it's exciting because you, your team's probably going to win. And that's the excitement. And so you, you go and it's rubbish. You, the stadium we've been over a million times is, I mean, it's a piece of shit. It's terrible in there. It's so uncared for. It is so unloved. It's just, it looks rubbish in there. I'm not talking about things like pillars in the way. Like It's an old stadium, fine. The atmosphere, atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. And it, ha- it has been for ages and ages and ages. Oh, we score a goal. Jamal Rose scores a goal. Suddenly all the flags come out behind me uh, on the safe standing area. And my little one, he's interested. It's something. And we're just lacking anything. When I, was a, when I was a kid, I know I sound like an old man with these two, but you know, we used to have round the pole at half time. Bloke comes out the stand, comes out the stand, runs around the pole ten times, tries to score a penalty. It was fun. I was a kid. I thought it was the funniest thing. If the game was rubbish, you'd have something going on. Nothing at half time. I don't know what's happened to Forever Ours because it used to be we had someone every week, every other week doesn't happen anymore um and even if they were there the sound system's atrocious you can't you can't hear anything um i'm not going to complain about the music or anything everyone's got different tastes in music and no, the music's shy. the music's shy, but do you know what everyone i'm not going to like if we played the music that just you wanted or just i wanted then someone else would think it was shy and you go and as so you can't hear anything 
you can't see anything, but you're a kid, you go to football, you can't see anything anyway. It's about the atmosphere. And it's just, it's just dead. It is just dead. And I know David McIntyre's on West London Sport has been going on for a good couple of years now about Lee Hoos isn't filling the stadium. And it just sort of hit me like a lightning bolt on at that Swansea game that the team can be rubbish. You can go and expect them to lose. You know that there's going to be a pillar in the way of your sideline. But at least make things that you can control better. And I just think that the way the club is treating their fans in their own home is atrocious. The stadium's not clean. You know, I'm, I don't want to talk about the catering and stuff. And, the, the you know, we're constricted by Loftus Road. God forbid anyone should think outside the box to make it a welcoming and inviting place because it isn't at the moment. It, it, it just isn't. And I doubt Lee Hughes listens to this and I doubt anyone with any power listens to this. But if they do, you've got to do something because, you know, we've got two young guys on the pod with us tonight. You're going to get diminishing returns. There are better stadiums to go to. There are better match day experiences on our doorstep. On our doorstep, you can go to Watford, and you can go to Brentford and irrelevant of the football being better, the match day experience is better. And that's before you even throw in Arsenal, Spurs and Chelsea, where you're walking into an impressive stadium. But we, I, I feel like there's a, a big reckoning coming where we're going to turn around and go, where are our young fans? Our fans are dying off. And I, 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 I think the club needs to pull their finger out about it because at the moment it, it's so unenjoyable in the stadium, separate completely to the team, which I'm sure we'll come on to. And if you thought we'd start the podcast off on a happy note by not talking about Hull, you were bang wrong. <laughs> you know what? I, it's kind of, you know what? Um, I, I know what you said about doing Mike, and I've been saying this for years, you know, it, it, it kind of bugs me that we don't celebrate our culture or our history in South Africa Road. Bloomfontein Road, um, Oxbridge Road. I don't, think we need, I don't think it needs to be about the past and the culture. It needs to be about the here, the now, the present. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, but, the, but the thing is, we're talking about the culture and the past. That appeals to you, Paul, and that appeals to me. And actually, this is, uh, you know, the, the lineup on the pod tonight probably illustrates that. George and Sam, they've heard about the past and, you know, they, they've read about the past, of course, and they understand that. But you just don't care as much about your past if you weren't there for it. They want to be making more memories. They want to have their own heroes. You know, they, they've heard about Bowles and they've heard about Marsh and all that. But where are their wonderful nights under the Loftus Road nights? It doesn't need to be the best team, does it? No, I agree. It can be I a 2-1 win against Birmingham with Di Carmine when you're down to 10 men. And so, yeah, we should celebrate our culture and our heritage and our history. But I actually think... It's the other side of the coin, and it's about looking, looking forward, thinking how on earth are we going to fill this stadium? It should, you know, under twenty years old, come and stand on the loft for a tenner. That's it. And suddenly you think, well, that's where I want to stand. If you're a kid, they're the ones with the energy. I ain't got the energy, but you ain't got the energy. We, we've seen it all. We've done it all. You know, our sixteenth in the championship. When you're younger, it it does mean more. It matters more. You've got less shit going on in your life. We're, we're missing out on people. And I think, I don't think a poster of 
Stan Bowles is going to excite them. I think no, cheap no. tickets where they can wave a flag, jump up and down with their mates is much more exciting. I mean, no. I'll, I'll put it to George and Sam. I, I, I don't know where you guys sit, but I know Sam likes to do his insane trips around the world and um, and go and watch. He likes to go and watch football matches and he likes going away from home because of the experience. Well, let's put that experience in Loftus Road. Let's, let's put you know the loft let's make it something and and i, I feel like i'm wasting time here because we've got you know to talk about but I, I really strongly feel that we are going to lose a, a generations of fans if all you can offer them is a car park a power league when you walk into a football match and sorry i i should say that's the way that i get to the stadium if there are other things on the other sides of the stands, I, I, I hold my hand up. I don't see them on, on my journey, but you know, it, and yeah, I, I, I just think we are, it's so stale at QPR. It is so stale. And that's before you get onto the pitch. Before I, do, I, bring, I do, I do agree with the fact that like, I've been, it's point, like I pointed out, there's not as many like younger people going to the QPR games at the moment. And like, for me, I never really had much like interaction. Like, yes, I go to the fan zone one in every three games, but like I go there, just kick a ball about on my own on a pitch of Power League and go. Like I could do that anyway. But like now, with no like interaction or anything, I do the same match day thing every time, go to the Nando's and walk straight into the stadium. It's just nothing really there for us. And I agree with you with that. And if I'm feeling like that, how someone like six or seven going to feel because they've got nothing to entertain them. Yeah, I mean, look, we are, look, there's four of us sitting on the QPR podcast. We're nutcases. We're, we're sick in the head, QPR fans. Let's be honest here. Like, it, there's something not right with us. What you want is that when you take your kid along and they've got a mate that comes with who doesn't really, you know, who says they're an Arsenal fan but doesn't go to the games, is they just think, what a day at QPR. You know, the, yeah, the football match was boring, but I did this, I did that, and this was funny, and that happened, and the, you know, a bloke fell over on the pit. We're not, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. I think just going back before bringing Simon, the point I was making. Sorry, I didn't explain it very well, but was you wouldn't even know we existed in the area, which is what I've said for years. If you go to the station, you walk down the road. Unless you follow people, you wouldn't even know QPR was in the area. That that's going to be my biggest problems for years, and. Be interesting what Sam says because you did decide, Sam, and it was actually you made talk sport as well, which I was pretty impressed with, to be honest with you. Um, to bugger off, uh, miss the FA Cup match and just go and see some football was so over to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um uh that was that was a couple of weeks ago now, but it was when uh yeah, when we got oh, right. I know a couple of weeks this yeah, 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 life is like no, ten no, years no. ago. I just wanted to, wanted to be yeah, wanted to be clear, but um, but um, uh, yeah, we got got Fleetwood. I, I actually honestly really wanted to go to Fleetwood because sort of new ground and um, and I mean fair play to anyone who did. Uh, first first things first, but train strikes. I, I just I couldn't make it, and I had to sort of go up the day before, stay in Blackpool, do this and that. So uh, so I uh, instead went around um, uh, plane to um, plane to. Uh, Milan, walked around there, went to a game, took a basically stayed up all night, took a train to um took a train to Paris, watched um watched a game there and then Did you uh, see in Paris? 
PSG against uh, Angers. So uh, that was that was uh, that was. I mean, I was behind the goal, and Messi scored in the goal that I was behind, and it was his first game back from the World Cup. And um, Angers had some of the uh, players from the Morocco team. I think uh, Bufal and Unahi. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was it was all sort of post post World Cup going on there. And then I flew back via Lisbon um, uh, with a sort of eight-hour stop there because for some reason that was cheaper than just going straight back home. Um, and the whole thing was was pretty much cheaper than or similar price to what Fleetwood would have been, which I guess is another thing that you can talk about with the match day experience. What we've we're talk, we've, we've been talking about how sort of how sort of bad it is, um, and uh, that's not even getting on to how expensive it is um, because. Uh, I, I live, well, when I'm not at uni, I live 10 minute walk from Loftus Road. And um, and I, was, I pointed out, um, I, I, another thing I realised about my trip is that to get from my house to uh, inside Loftus Road costs a something like 30 quid ticket. Um, and I mean, I get like a 25 quid one because I get the sort of under 21 thing. And to get from my house to inside the San Siro, it's uh it's like two quid on the on the uh two quid on the tube, ten quid on the Stanford Express, nine quid on um uh on a on a flight to Milan, two quid on a train, and then five like four or five quid on a ticket. It's like it's, it sort of adds up to being cheaper to get into the San Siro from my house than into Loftus Road. So it just it makes it more sort of um like there's a feeling that you sort of have to have been indoctrinated in yeah. order to get to QPR, um, uh, which, as you said, we all have. But um, you, you don't. It doesn't sort of surprise you to see why people aren't getting into it as much. And it, what you said with the presence around the area, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. With um, you see, so so much of uh, of the songs that the fans sing about and all of this, we've got such a strong relationship with being from W12. Um, Shepherds Bush, White City, whatever. And we've got like this massive relationship to the local area. And it doesn't feel like the local area has this relationship back to us. Like you could walk around uh, uh, bar if, if you walked around Shepherds Bush, maybe except for that one pub next to the ground that has the QPR logo on it, and then and then the actual ground, you walk around, you have no idea that QPR are here. You go to we went to sort of Charlton, um, in uh, in the first uh, first round of the uh, cup, which um, I mean uh, that was its own whole own thing. But um, uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, and you walk, you get out of the station, and you walk over the railway bridge, and it's painted red, saying "We are Charlton" or whatever. And like the 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 bridge outside uh, Shepherd's Market Station, uh, that that could be blue and white painted. That could have QPR logos on it, and it just. I mean, it. It would. It, we considering how much we pride ourselves on Shepherd's Bush and everything. We should. There should be more of a presence there. You just. You just wouldn't know we were there. I think. I think so much of it. When, when you look at it, there's so much that can be done. Um, I'm wary. I haven't talked about football yet. Um, there's so much that can be done that really costs so little. I remember Lee Hoos. I don't know if it was on a podcast or one of Clive's uh, Patreon interviews where he said he has to beg for a little bit of money each year that he can put into the stadium. And they did that the ladies' toilets, I believe, this year, and it wasn't done in time or something like that. 
And there's things like painting a bridge or erecting some food stalls on South Africa Road or doing up the toilets, where surely that money, I don't believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe it's linked into FFP. And so whilst we all like to say, yeah, the owners are putting in a million quid a month to keep it running, well, that's it. They're not actually doing anything to improve the club. The, the million pounds is to protect the asset so that one day they can sell it. And I, 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 the, you know, I know we like to moan, we can moan at Tyler Roberts, we can moan at Les Ferdinand, Lee Hoos, Neil Critchie, Mick Beale. But for me, this malaise, which has sort of come post-World Cup and Mick Beale leaving, where the arse has fallen out of everyone at the club, it comes back to the owners and vacant owners and they don't give a shit because they're not putting the money in. It's just on the side and they're servicing the asset every now and again. It's, they don't care. And we, we it's, it's upsetting because all these things and all these great ideas cost a little bit of money that they don't seem willing to put into the club. But do you think that because, I mean, I don't know, Robert, I mean, you know, you, you kind of, I mean, they must care, they have to care because God knows no matter how rich you are by putting money in to keep it going, you must, you have to care about something because they're losing hand over fist. Um, my, my worry is that it's whoever's in the person's ear. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, we can do this. We've we got the training ground sorted. But that yeah. Is, you know, the, tra- the training ground is the, the shining light. And yeah. hopefully it's the start of something and not the end of something. Hopefully it's the start of regenerating QPR. But I, 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 I truly believe at the moment that there, the, the stench of staleness around the club is, is quite incredible. It, it, it is this the eighth season at the champ? You know, we were 15 years out of the Prem last time. I mean, done, we must have done about half of that easily, comfortably by now. I think it's it. We went down in 2015. So this would be this is eight years, eight years out of the Prem already in this division. It's a long time. It's a long time. Um, so and anyway, anyway I've, I've really had my rant and, and uh, I'm, to be I'm, fair, I'm, I'm wary that there's on field matters to discuss, and we, 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 we will go around all day talking about the deep no, this is, philosophy this is, this is, of the club. It's, it's a QPR podcast. If, if everyone else is switched off and us four are still here, that's fine. It's, oh, it's, 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 it's kind of like what we used to do in the pub and many, many moons ago. Um, but I, I don't know. I think the owners, I don't know the owners, right? I, I don't have an interaction with them. I've no ability to know what they're thinking, what the plan is, what the, the, the forward thinking is, what the anything. But what I do know is it's not going well on the pitch. And everything in a football club depends on the pitch. Everything that we do depends on a Saturday or a Tuesday night. Um, and I'm kind of thinking um, Saturday we'll talk about football you know it's kind of like no matter how many millions you pump into a football club you've, if you were an owner or a manager or a chairman or a director watching that you'd feel a little bit mugged off wouldn't you and I don't mean to blame the players in this but Sam 
sadly was dreadful, wasn't it? Let's be honest. It was there was no coherent attack. There was no. It was just awful, and I'm, and I'm sure the players care. I what the hell has gone wrong? I. It's it's very difficult to say. I mean, um, there's my 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 general um, my general perception is that as soon as we hired Critchner, like. I, I, I'm not going to pretend like I watched his Blackpool team every single week when they're in League One. But yeah. um, the two things I do know um, about what he did at Blackpool is he made this sort of very pragmatic team who was focusing on the basics first. And then you use your sort of flair players, your like Josh Bowlers, Keshi Andersons to, uh, to, sort of, uh, to sort of win games uh, within this quite rigid structure. And the other thing I, I know is that he it didn't start off going so well. And he took over Blackpool, who were in a bit of this uh, quite similar limbo situation to what we are in the championship, just in League One. And it took him a while. And it did get a bit worse first before it got better. Well, the fans so, boycott as well, didn't they, with the Oystons and stuff like that? Well, yeah. I mean, Oyston is... Uh, o- the name Oyston is like the name Beal at this football club. It's sort of the one that shouldn't be mentioned. But... Um, I hear you. Uh, that that does make it twice that we've mentioned him on this pod, and I, that, that's that's quite regrettable already. But um, uh, moving on, I think when when we sort of hired him for that reason, I thought, well, what he's going to try and do is make this team into a very competent team. So that's sort of slashing everything up, basically tearing us down to the ground and then building from there. And um, and there's. The other thing to and, and I mean that that's what I think has happened. We've been sort of torn down to the ground, and and it's the other thing I would say is the transition from Critchley to Beale is it, I mean it's completely unheard of what we have this in in this um in our circumstances because we actually have a precedent from about six months before very recent history from of what happens in the transition from Critchley to Be from Beale to Critchley sorry because um it's well documented that Steven Gerrard had nothing to do with tactics at Aston Villa. And when, and they played with basically under the tactics of Beale and then replaced, and then uh, who was the assistant manager replaced him with Critchley. And that was not a transition that went well. Aston Villa sort of looked like they didn't know what they were doing. So my, and I think that comes down to this idea of trying to take this team that, was in a bit of a false position because they're trying to do this big expansive football thing that might go well for a few games, but ultimately don't the, the squad is not what it needs to be for doing that long term. And then trying to tear that down. And it's a clunky transition to go from that to being this um, pragmatic functional team that relies on a few star players, which I think is probably the right idea at the moment with um with with our with our current squad and with also an idea to sort of rip the current squad to shreds and um, and rebuild in the summer and and I think what we're seeing on um, what we're seeing on uh, on, Saturday, on days like Saturday, which was absolutely horrendous, can I just say, uh, is that that is going to be a transition that has some pretty nasty. When you play a forty-six games a season, that's going to be a transition that's going to feel quite nasty at times. But I do. I do trust Critchley and I do trust that he's going to take us in the right direction. And he's he's sort of got the um he's he's got the sort of uh, philosophy that, that we need. But I, I I think it's just this moment of uh, of clunky transition is 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 the phrase I'd use. 
George, you were there Saturday. Um, sadly, sadly. Well, I took I took my mate from school. He's a West Ham fan, and he thought I actually want to be a footballing ultra for a day. And I did warn him before we went. I said, uh, "Don't be shocked if we come away with a loss or a nil-nil, knowing QPR." And he got exactly what I said would happen. So I did warn him, but obviously the performances aren't going well at the moment. But I think that's a huge. Like I know we said we weren't mentioning Bill leaving. I know we can't live in the past of it, but I think the squad's almost been split into two in two minds. Like some of them are disagreeing with what happened, and some of them may be thinking, "Oh, don't blame him." Like for example, Balogun. He's, I know he's injured at the moment, but he used to be mates of Bill. For all we know, he could be like, oh, yeah, good on him going back to Rangers. However, someone like the Clark Salter, who has given a whole presentation, may not fit like, may feel like a bit peed off by it. So therefore causing a split in the camp. I don't know. It's just all a bit shambolic at the moment. You can say pissed off in the podcast, George, but your dad might tell you off. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah. That it does like we're swearing. Um, it's a good point, though. I mean, Robert. I mean, did you see the game Saturday, or did you catch it and highlights? Or did you go? I don't I, know. I, I didn't go to Hull. Thank God. Uh, we yeah, were at someone's house, and they said, "Do you want me to find a stream for it?" I said, "Nah, you're all right." Thank you. Really? <laughs> no, I think that great points, guys. I, 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 my feeling is that the team is done. The iteration of this team, um, if I called it the uh, Ilias, the Ilias chair team, and I don't mean that as a slide on chair. I mean that chair we look feel Dykes, the uh, that team Dicky is done. Uh, they're all good players, but they've all now been here two and a half, three years, and you know it's time to move on for them and us. And they won't all go. I'm not saying sell the lot because they're crap. I'm just saying that it's done a bit like, you know, you think the team before, Lumley, Eze, Bright, Wells, Manning, it fell apart at the end under Warburton at that lock, at the end of lockdown, didn't it? When we came back and we had a sniff of the playoffs. But they were done. I think it was a mental thing. And I think this lot are done. And I, I completely agree with Sam that we are going to have some tough days We've got 38 points. We've got to find four wins. But just stay up. Stay up. Stay up this season, which I think they will. I think they'll have enough to stay up. Um, they should be able to get four wins. Famous last words. I was delighted they didn't just go and bring in a left back on loan for no reason. Because what's the point? The, the, I looked it up. The pro, if you finish top of the championship, win the league, do you know what you get in prize money? 100 grand. Yeah. Right, okay. 50 grand if you come second. So who cares? We're not going up. Who cares if we come eighth or if we come 20th? Like, it, it, it doesn't matter this season. Just stay up, stay in the lead, and let Critchley have a go. In the- let Critchley build what he wants to build in the summer. And I, 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 I think that I love Ilias Chair. I love Chris Willock. I love Senny Dieng. I love Sam Field. I'd sell a lot of them because their time here is done. They've had their time. They didn't get up. And to bring it back to Beal, like George said, the, the signings Beal made in the summer, in hindsight, which is a wonderful thing, were signings to get promoted, apart from Kenneth Powell, who looks a great signing, were signings to go up now, really. 
you know, Balogun, um, uh, Tyler Roberts, Tim Irabunum, they're, I've got his name right as well, Laird, they're signings to go up now. They were the sprinkles on top of the cake, as, as it were, because they most of them won't be here next year. Um, and I think that was Bill as well was only ever going to be here for a year. And once he went, it's like, well, we're not going up this season. And it's all falling apart. The Likers, they don't go down and let Critchley build. You think of that Warburton cycle. It took him a year, year and a half to get what he wanted to really get that team. And when they had the team in place, they flew. Typical QPR. We did it for 12 months, but just not September to May. We did it January to January, so we never got promoted. But he built a promotion-winning team, as it were. Um, so I'm sort of a bit... And I was very animated and angry before. I'm quite relaxed and accepting what the team's doing. They're not crap players. I just think they're done as a unit, done as a team. And I think uh, they, they just got to get their four wins, get to the end of the season. However, however, there are fans that go up to places like Hull. And and I, I, I accept that me saying we're not going up to Hull and going, oh, they're done, they're done. It's fine and easy. But when you've travelled up to Hull, you don't go, oh, they're done. You know, it's, they don't care anymore. No, you've still got to put in a level of professionalism. And from what I've read and watched, it doesn't sound like that professionalism was there. And that is, that is upsetting for the fans. I'm upset for the fans that went up there. No, one thing yes. I will say, one thing I will say when so when Tyler Roberts came off, he did just walk past, didn't clap us at all. Obviously, like I kind of understand that. Obviously, he's going to be a bit pissed off in the head, isn't he? Like had a poor game. Seems like he's injured for a while now, but it took him a bit to realise that. But the one thing I will say about the assets is I don't see why Critchley's playing our two most creative players, Cher and Willock, out wide in areas where they can't get involved in the pitch. If you think about it, the best performance I'd probably say under Critchley at home is Sheffield United. I think in that game, Chair and Willock were allowed more free roam rather than playing out wide. And I know he likes the idea of inverted like wingers and stuff like that, but I don't see the point of it. Like Chair enjoys getting on the ball. What's the point of having him out wide and having to do the hard work to get in and shoot when he could be in and around the area like he was with Bill, like he was with Warburton? That's the thing that's annoying me at the moment because Cher and Willock are out, out wide not being able to put that impact in the game and I think that's a reason why their forms could have dropped because of the formation change and they will get used to it because Critchley will have a whole summer like as I agree we're going to stay in the championship for another season he'll have a whole summer to hopefully implement his style but I don't think the players are getting it at the moment and that could be related to anyone like Tim or Abone can't pronounce it but <laughs> Tim yeah Tim uh he's he's shown up Robert no one has a smart arse <laughs> he seems like he's changed like he's playing in a more defensive role under Critchley than he did with Bill and he just doesn't look like the same player but I don't know it just it just doesn't look like it's switched on for the team at the moment well here's here's a question Sam I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of scope on social media. I I don't tend to. I mean, I, I tend to look at social media, and it, it it's. I know it's not a balance. I know it's not a reflection on everyone. I know it's not a a gauge to judge things on. But you know, like you know, is it the director of football? Is it the goalkeeping coach? Is it the coaching this? Is it the coaching that? But I looked at Ingram Saturday, 
who looked a far better goalkeeper than he was when he was at QPR. He made two good saves. Um, and I looked at Senna, who spilled the ball twice. And I'm thinking, what are we doing wrong? Is it, is it coaching? Is it, is it the, like maybe um, Robert says the, the team has hit the ceiling and because Bill's going to the life out of it. I mean, who it, it, is a transfer policy working? There you go, Sam. There's an interesting question for you. Help me out because I'm old and cynical. Is the transfer policy working? I think it's it's quite. I think it's. I don't. I don't want to just be on the fence about it, but I think it's very difficult to say because I think, I think you look at the way the club's been run over the last few years, and and, and maybe so. The Eze sale was in the summer of 2020, and okay, you can say, well, fair enough. Maybe we don't need to do a player sale in the summer of 21. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. But you'd have thought, and it definitely looked like the club was gearing for a player sale in um uh in summer 20 uh, in summer 22 but rob dickey gave the ball away against bournemouth after an amazing start to the season we conceded a goal and he didn't didn't have the same confidence for the rest of the season and hasn't since um chris willock tore his hamstring at not uh, at the city grounds in april in a game that at the time did feel quite big and um uh, and and then um and then it, and, and Ilya's chair had a disrupted second half of the season, picking up an injury and going to Afcon. That was three possible sales that were ruined from things that were outside of the control of the, whoever it is in charge of the transfers. And then this summer, I think it's quite quite possible to say that the whole club's been slightly mugged off by Beal. They let him come in, do his powerpoints, and get in his men. And um, so I think I think there's not we don't really have I think we don't really have a um, I don't know if there's enough to go on in terms of saying whether our transfer policy is working. I think I, I do think and people this might be an unpopular opinion. I'm not sure, but I think when we sold Eze, we we got it we did it pretty well overall. I mean, I think to a player that we had to sell with two years on the contract, um, uh, getting. 16 million up front and, and then possible sell-on clause, possible add-ons for that is is pretty good. We were unlucky to not, I think because of his injury, unlucky not to have got a whole lot more money from him going getting into the England squad. So I think that was a good, we got a good deal for him. I think we reinvested the money correctly, two strikers, a centre-back and and, a, and another creative player so that you can have alongside chair at the time. And I, and I think... Um, uh, I think obviously the bond signing didn't go well. Uh, that's that could be because for, for, uh, there's a whole lot of, of 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 reasons that we we probably don't fully know. I think the Lyndon Dyke signing, you have to say for two million in terms of probably the importance that we now see he has in the team, and um, and the fact that he has a higher resale value. That's a successful signing. Rob Dickey, successful signing. Chris Willock, successful signing. So the last big thing we had to do, I think, did work, and I think so. I. I I don't want to be too optimistic, considering how terrible the current system, the current, the current. What about uh, what about the loans, Sam? What about the loans at the start of the season? Have any of them worked to the degree we, we, we thought they would? I think Laird's been Laird's been a, a fantastic. Yeah. Stuck. I mean, he's been a fantastic right back, so you can't really do him down for that. But there, I mean, the question that does come come to come to my head is sort of what's the point? Like we've taken this, uh, we've taken this sort of. 
fantastic right back out of the hands of Watford and and whoever else was trying to sign him. Um, he's he's been unbelievable for us, but we're still as mediocre as ever. It's uh, um, it's it's it seems a little bit um, little bit pointless. I think I I, I, I think it's um, I think Jamal Lowe is is a, is a very good signing, and I think if if they my my slight um concern about Jamal Lowe is I I was previously I definitely had the opinion that getting short-term signings in this window is pointless because as as uh, Robert said it's there's no difference between finishing uh, seventh and 21st this season um but Jamal Lowe I mean there's a prop hopefully of you to getting him permanently um so that's not completely pointless my the thing I'm slightly worried about is that um ha- him having been inside the club for six months probably gives us makes him even less likely to sign for QPR than if he had no idea what was going on. So, uh, uh, but I, I think I think the transfer policy probably isn't as bad as people are making it out to be. Okay. I, I agree. I agree with Sam. I think when you break it down and, and you look, where we've been successful is <clears throat> actually picking up those discarded Premier League players. Yeah, Jimmy Dunn. Um, I think was, was Dieng from somewhere. I can't remember. Um, they, they still well, managed to he was from a Swiss club. Yeah, yeah. they managed to... Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to try. Well, I got Tim's name right. I'm not going to try and say the, the Swiss club's name. But um, he, he, we, we've done quite well in bringing in the and chair, that discarded players like that, Jimmy Dunn. And yes, Connor Masterson, Connor Masterson didn't work. But for a while, it looked like it might. We got some championship games out of him. I think... Where where it's going wrong is is the loan players in the sense that and maybe it will change, but the um, the youth team players that should really be supplementing the first team squad are just just not good enough. Um, like, look, love Aussie Kakai because he genuinely is one of our own. Been at the club since he was eight, um, come through, but he's all hard. He's probably not championship quality. He's all effort, not got a problem with him if he's got to come on and do 10 minutes, 20 minutes, do a roll. But three, four games in a row, he's not good enough. And, and, and this is the issue that you're having to loan in Ethan Laird because the youth system isn't, you know, you can't you can't just build a team from Premier League car stops and picking up Rob Dickey's from the lower division. You, you need some youth players to, to come through as well, the odd, the odd one or two. And at the moment, that is that is the, the issue. And that, that's something that, that Clive has picked up on quite a few times about how there's so many youth team coaches at QPR and people trying to justify their job. And half the reason, supposedly, that Warburton left, fell out with this one and that one. And, uh, you know, and I, I think that's the problem that, we're having to do loans because you've just got kids that are conference level that aren't that can't step in for two or three games. Um, I think, I think <laughs> if you're going to take one positive out of this transfer window, well, if you can call it a transfer window for us, uh, is that we got rid of some of the players who obviously were stifling some of the youth players' work. So, like George Thomas, I agree, gave gave all his effort for the club, although quite frankly. He didn't do anything. I agree with some of the sums up in West London sport. Runs around a lot, but that's about it. 
And Nico Hamalainen, well, I think he's one of the worst players I've ever seen wear a QPR shirt, personally. All year contracts. So, yeah, I know. To, but to see, to see him go on loan somewhere else, I don't even know what Belgian team it is. But like, hopefully he doesn't play for QPR again. But on the point of loans, if you think about it, when Warburton was in, in, in that January to January period, it was like... It turned us around when we brought in Austin Johansson and that on loan. That was the one time where it actually worked. We brought in loan signings and in the summer made them a permanent. But this season, I think it's a case of, as you said earlier on in the pod, we brought in signings to help us get up. That's what Bill tried to do. Yeah. But I think the fact is, these loan signings are not. They're obviously not going to stay. Roberts, four four million. Do they want off for him? Not not a chance. Let, Laird and Tim, well, they're just going to go back to their club. So I think the board's plan may have been into January or this summer to sell an asset, and then that would set us up for the next coming seasons. But obviously, Bill's ruined that completely. So I think as well that those, my view on loans, those loan signings in that January, those four loan signings, they worked because we needed them. We were going down, mm. we were right near the bottom. It was a really inexperienced team, and we just we just chucked a load of experience in it, and it worked. Oh, sorry, Field wasn't so experienced, but Johansson, Austin, Device, just experienced players that came in, and Field as well, who they knew they could probably make permanent. So, I think if you look at loan players, as they're the ones that put you over the edge. You know, if you're uh, sitting seventh in the league and really gunning for the playoff place, then yeah, look. We did it last season with Jeff Hendrick and it, it didn't work. But in theory, that's to me when you use a loan player. Um, you think when we went up under Warnock, did we loan in Ish- Ishmael Miller? And we had no need for him, but he was loaned in as, what if we need him? The reward is so great at the end. And it was, he got one goal, that last minute winner against Leicester. It was, it was worth it. It was worth it. We needed him. Jamalo, I, I, I hope there is an option to buy because I think he's he's a useful player. He can play mm. out wide, he can play through the middle. But I, I, I'm glad that we haven't just, like I said before, haven't just chucked a load of loans at the squad really to no end. Um, the, the, next, the, 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 the next question would be to Sam. Um, as I'm trying to keep the podcast on track without it, everyone actually thought of the tablets down the throat at this point and drinking lots of water and just hoping that they wake up after Huddersfield we win um, I'm, I'm thinking that the transfer window's been and gone we know that and we, we haven't signed anyone are we okay with that Sam up front do we, do we think that these guys can get us through to the rest of the season in, without getting relegated because Rather than, I know everyone keeps saying we're four points, six points, seven points away from the playoffs. I'm looking the other way because I'm a pessimistic yeah. state. Do you know what I mean? But what do you think, Sam? You, young, yeah. inspire. I mean, I was just looking at the league table, um, and uh, I, I think I think the thing is to sort of uh, dig into the bag of uh, footballing cliches. Um, oh, go on. Then. Anything, any. Everyone always says sort of anything can happen in the championship, and I think that's sort of leading into this perception that um, uh, we, we're on a terrible, terrible run. I mean, you see, you're starting to see the sort of uh, stats coming out about we've this, not been this bad since where the, what, 2015 or whatever. And um, 
and I think this, this, I think people just get a bit sort of touchy, like all looking over the shoulder and and this. But I think, I, I, I think there's this possibly could be a bit of uh, a bit of um, sort of recency bias. I mean, there are massive issues with the squad, but are we as bad as one winning fourteen over the course of a whole season? No, I don't think so. I mean, we've seen it ever since you, you mentioned Robert eight eight years back in the championship and. Our time in the championship has basically been a story of sort of long, quite dismal runs and followed by shorter, more promising ones. And I think all we need is, is you say four wins, I think three wins would do it. We're on uh, 38 points, I think. And um, and and it's and, and I think the point a game in the championship is pretty much always good enough to survive. Three more wins, 47 points. We're, we're going to get that. It's it's not a it's it's not a question of uh, of going down. And I think. That people, I think it could be a bit of recency bias when when people are saying getting concerned about relegation, and I think for that reason, the the, the transfer window, I, I look at it and I say, well, am I underwhelmed? Am I looking at everything that's going on on deadline day and going, oh, I wish that was us? Yeah, I am because I, I mean it's a human reaction, but sort of uh, trying to put 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 the more sort of uh, logical thinking cap on. You say, well. Like, let's say we loan in Ashley Barnes for six months and then and that gets us five extra points and he scores six goals, whatever. Yeah. I mean, what's that done? That's just, that's more money down the drain. That's less games in our current strikers. And um, so I think for that reason, Jamal Lowe, Jamal Lowe is a good signing because there's hope. I, I like to think there's a view to a permanent deal there. He's, he's a, he was born in Harrow. He's been in the QPR setup before. Um, I, I think I, I think basically what we had to do was um, I, I agree with George getting rid of some sort of uh, I don't like the word but I'll use it anyway deadwood um, uh, and then I think um, uh, and um, and then I think uh, yeah getting in Jamal Lowe to just get a bit I think because he he's his I like to think he'll sort of get more out of the players around him and then possible deal in the, in the future. But I think doing more than that's a waste of money because we're not going to go up and we're not going to go down. So I think basically being as sort of minimal as you can and and uh, I think maybe getting Thomas off the wage bill when he's not really, uh, when he's, he's sort of, we've got to a point when he, we realise he's not going to contribute to the squads. And Caroline uh, as well. Um, and I think are that's... You, are you really getting more from wage bill, Sam? Or are you paying them off? Because we've paid Bourne off, we've paid... Thomas off, you don't really get them off the wage bill. You yeah, just... well, what they'll do is if there's six months left on his contract, they'll pay him three months up front yeah. now and he'll back himself to find a club. And so, it, yeah. yeah, it's one of those over the next six on the accounts, it's a saving, but it's a lump sum now that is less than we would pay over six months. Same that they would have done with Bond. They, they have who else did they ship? They shifted Shadipo, they've shifted Hamalina. No, there's money that's come off the wage bill, but you know, Lowe's on he's actually I looked up he's not on that, he's on twelve grand a week. Uh Jamal Lowe, I believe, according to the internet. So it would appear that it's it makes him one of our best paid players, but um, you know, it's not it's not a twenty-five grand a week loan signing. Um it probably balances out, it's probably for the best. There's um I I've got a question that let me ask it. Stephanie Hansen is on around 18 supposedly on around 18,000 pounds a year he's still a got week. A, a, a week a year jesus a week would you pay him up in the summer would you try and find a way to get rid of him in the summer 
Jesus you, Christ, there's a hand grenade tossed in the air. Well, I just, I just, do you know what? It's a, we've talked about Pritchie's got to rebuild and all that. You've got this 32, 32, good player, good player, but he can't stay fit. He's on 18 grand a week. Would you try and get rid of him? Go on, George. Good luck. Yeah, give it to George. Yeah, uh, George, is, George is confident he can do this. I personally wouldn't, because if you think about it, he's been here through Warburton, Bill and Critchley, like some people have, but he's been here like quite a lot into the Warburton era as well. And my, my opinion is, yeah, he could be injured at points, but if you think about it, he could have been the missing piece to some of our success at the start of the season. He got, I think, six assists it was, one of the best in the division. And when he got injured... It, like it's, it was proven, the form started to dip, and obviously, I've, I'd like to think he's close to being fully fit now and may start Saturday against Huddersfield. But I do think getting rid of him would be good on the money side of it in terms of finances, but it'd be stupid because there's not many leaders out in our team. That's one thing I'm pointing out on. There's no one who you look at who you think's a good leader, like as much as. Don't like him much. Joey Barton when he was here, proper yeah. leader, proper he was leader. A leader. Yeah, he would he would give that aggression. Whereas, like, if you if you think about it, who in our team actually looks like they're going to command it? And I think Johansson's up there is one of the most George, influential. I, I know you're young, but you see, I would look at Clint Hill more as leader than Joey Barton. In yeah, that I was going to say. Uh, I'm trying to get it off the top of my head, off the top of my head. No, it, this is, George, it's a podcast. You can do this. It's fine. <laughs> I don't like to eat, but I never have, never will. Came in the podcast, talked a lot of shit, and he went. Um, and it took a lot of wages out of the club. I don't know. I think but it was probably part of the problem we got in this mess we are now because of the wages and the name and the Philip Beard exercise, which we call Joey Barton. But that's a fair point. I would... I would have liked Ali Fuller more as a captain than Joey Barton, but that's just me. In fact, I'd like, I'd like, I'd like George. I think you'd be a better captain. You know, I think Bottom was overrated. Anyway, um, Sam, the same thing to you. Um, in some respects, we're, we're kind of like looking to Saturday night, and we've got these games coming up. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, I'm shouting myself because I'm looking at it. I'm thinking if we don't get six points from these five games, we could be in a lot of trouble. Tell me I'm completely stupid, I'm old, and I'm being way too negative. I'm going to win them all. Uh, we're going to win them all. Now, I mean, um, Excellent, Sam. You're in drugs. It's listen, great. I think, I think um, as I said, I, I cannot see us not getting three more wins in the season. That I just I just think we're going to... Um, Huddersfield and... Some of the some of the absolute sort of dross blast. Like when you look at what's going on at the bottom of the championship, Wigan. I mean, what, I, no one knows what they're doing. Their 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 decision making has been a joke. And and then uh, Huddersfield. I don't want to say anything because now because I'll obviously jinx it. At least I mean, Hull hadn't won since October, uh, by the way. At yeah, home. Uh, that that's that's uh, that 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 was pointed out to me before the game and. Uh, <laughs> but I think there's, there's a lot that's going on below us, and I think I think we're going to be okay. What I would say about Huddersfield is uh, I'm I'm going. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it because I think it's going to be hilarious more than anything else, given the sort of standard of the two sides over recent weeks. But um, that's a spirit. Uh, but um, what I will say is I think it's a human it's it's a human reaction. I think to uh, 
Uh, I, I mean, I'm saying I'm not worried about relegation now, but it's, it's always going to be the case that you're sort of, even if you're telling that to yourself, you're going to be looking over your shoulder and going, Ooh. and I think there's going to be an element of that in the squad. There's going to be, especially with one win in 14, you've got this from a sort of sports psychology perspective, you're sort of spiralling and spiralling and spiralling. And if if we were to go to the, um, the, I'm going to say the worst team in the league and then get beat, then that spiral is going to become a lot worse. And if we, and if we, beat them then that's a massive relief to the players and I think the psychological effect of the game on Saturday is far bigger than the effect in terms of the league table because I think even if we lose I think we are capable of later on in the season um, getting getting up a, a few more wins but uh, and, and I think I think regardless we'll do it but I think psychologically for the players I just I'd just love to see them to see them win, and 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 I think they they'd love that as well. I think we saw, especially in the context of who we're up against. Right, I'm going to move on now to the R's end. Now, Robert, you quite the rant at the start of the, the uh, show. Um, positive on my R's end. I don't know if I'd be, normally it's me that takes up all the time, but I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm going to, I'm going to stroke the cat and hopefully. No, my, I'm, going be, um, I'm going to be super on. positive and say that. I'm really excited about three of the youngsters. We've seen Claire Armstrong, who was the only shining light at Hull, um, that he's here now for the end of the season, didn't go on loan. Um, let's hope something can come of him. And then from the under-18s, it seems that this Ryan Polly seems to be a bit special. Um, and Pedder, Rafferty Pedder, is also going to be quite a nice player. I know he scored for the B team whenever they last played, which was on today or yesterday. Um, yeah, so, you know, we'll be, be miserable, been very miserable, but, you know, you could have come, come August, you could have Sinclair Armstrong, Taylor Richards, uh, Ray and Colley as a front three. You never, they haven't played a minute barely between them this season, and it could be the most exciting young attack in the championship. You just don't know. Um, please God, the club thought out a little bit of what I ranted about so that more and more kids get that QPR disease that us four have got. And like I said, we're sick in the head. We'll keep coming back. Uh, and I, I hope more and more people catch it like we did. Sam? Yeah, we're going to beat Huddersfield 4 now. No, we're not doing predictions yet, you bin lid. We're doing <laughs> all's end. Predictions are last. Dear that, that, God. That, I, I thought this was sort of two birds. No, no. Um, what what <laughs> would be my uh, what would be my uh, my answer? I mean, oh, that, the thing is, I, I had to, I, I was maybe to add to uh, maybe to add to what Rob said. Uh, there's uh, Ale- Alexander. Uh, I don't know how to say his name, but the guy who played for for Iraq. I'm very very excited about about him. He's uh, he he scored in the recent game. I, I think the same game you're talking about. Um, yeah, just uh, blind, blind optimism, I guess. Uh, uh, Miles end would be to yeah, sort of try and not focus on any of the massive glaring problems and uh, and look at the the rays of light. A bit deep. <laughs> How old are you? At nineteen. Bloody hell! Yeah, no. <laughs> you're gonna be fumb- you're gonna be fumbling your fifty, aren't you, Ray? <laughs> George. Well, it seems like 
Well, it seems like you've both taken my eyes and I was going to discuss the recent success of the B team, but I suppose you've really touched on that. Oh, God. But but I also, t- if we're going for a youngster each, I'll go for Alfie Lloyd, who's on loan currently at Eastleigh. He's scoring many goals. So for, for all we know, in a year, two years time, we could he could be a great striker. But I just think no matter what happening, we'll have to get behind the team. I know it's hard sometimes, but at Holloway, we were singing when we were 1-0 down. It, it sometimes can be a bit of a laugh, but we just need to stay positive. Don't don't turn on Critchley because there's no point. Like, as you said, Agreed. it took ages for him to build a style at Blackpool and hopefully he can turn it around for us and we can get some good results. By the way, I like the way the cat's gone behind my head. It looks sneaky that I've got her. It's a cat. It's not a wig. Just sort of putting that out. Um, right. I suppose my eyes in. It's a strange one. Right. George and Sam, you were there Saturday. Was I imagining the the Lino making fist pumps every time he made the wrong decision? Oh, yeah, I, I, I saw that. I was going to say, doing so, he did not seem very happy with, with but, our fans. He pointed, like, I've never seen a Lino, we give it stick to a Lino, but I've never actually seen them react to it, which is, and then just pumping his fists at the home fans, it's just a bit. Well, he was also making the. Um, a hand gesture, which I can only say in a, on a family podcast, looked like the wanker sign. I mean, you know, I didn't, was... I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. But... Sam, over to you. Was he doing the wanker sign at us or himself? Uh, I don't. I don't know why he'd be doing it to himself, but um, uh, I mean, um... <laughs> that's the whole point of it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so I know, but not. not... As you said, I mean, there's there 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 was some um, there's families out in that way, and I think he'd he'd be um he'd be taken off by the police afterwards for that. But um, uh, I I I I did see it as well. I was um I have seen Lino sort of uh uh rise rise to it before, but not to the say to the point where they seem to be sort of uh, vindictive about things. I mean, uh, there was this there was this guy next to me at Stoke away last season, and um. And they uh, they said they said to him, um, uh, he just yelled at the lino after he made a call that wasn't even wrong. He just said, "I will find your garden gnomes and I will shit on them." And he just like, he turned around and just laughed, like because that that's like the most random thing he's probably ever heard of his life. <laughs> Repeat that again, Sam. He said, "I will find said, your garden and gnomes and shit." I will on them. find your garden gnomes and I will shit on them. Um, which, yeah, don't don't really <laughs> read into that what you will, but um, the lino did laugh at that, but. I don't think it impacted his decision making throughout the match. That the Lionel did seem to. I, I'm not going to be like one of these people who say they they have an agenda against us, but he seemed to be taking a little bit of satisfaction in um, in uh, giving decisions that were not very favourable towards QPR. And one, I, I one was, he was somewhat taking taking the fucking piss. To be fair, I mean. There was there was that time when he called the most ridiculous offside ever against us, and then that we fist pump, and then it looked like another sign afterwards, and then carried on making shit decisions, which is fine because you know we always feel the world's against us. He just added to my philosophy that you know even the officials hate us, um, and we didn't really Hull didn't need the officials to help them. Was another thing I was going to say to him, look, mate, if you're trying to help Hull, you're wasting your time. They're probably going to win anyway. I mean, we went to this bar earlier on. Um, me, Cindy, and Ellen, and um, we went down the road. And um, Steve, 
I went to this bar and we're totally soul fans. I go, oh, you know, it's dread. And you know them conversations you have that you really hate of we're dreadful. We can't score for Toffee. We've been horrendous. We play from the back. We play ourselves into trouble. It always goes wrong. And I was like, well, it's all right. The charity's here. You'll be grand. Um, you know, and they're like, no, no, we won't, we won't beat you. There's no chance. We're absolutely. So I stayed with them and got drunk. The other three went to the ground. But me being me, I was like, you know what? I'll find this nice pub. I'll stay here and talk to the whole fans. And they were generally like, no, you, you, you honestly can't be this bad. And and they won. And, and that upsets me because, I, you know, you want to be wrong. You, you want to, you know, because I don't believe that Jimmy Dunn and and the players, like, you know, Dickie and, and that want to be. And they're not bad. They're not bad people and they care. But it's just, it's sadly to me, was a, was depressing in a lot of ways. And I think the fans, I mean, um, we George mentioned it as well. When Tyler was going off, he didn't even applaud the QPR fans until the physio whispered in his ear and said, look, mate, you know, you walk past the QPR fan, you might want to give him a bit of a applaud. And, um, okay, I don't know, someone just seems to be wrong and hopefully, you know, we'll get it right in the next few games, which is nicely led on to Robert. Um, prediction for Huddersfield? Um, win 2-0. Don't know why. Win 2-0. Really? Yeah, why not? Okay. Do you, want, do, you want to, do you want to say who you think might score? Uh, why? Uh, because can't keep losing forever. Got to win one eventually. Uh, I'm, I'm a sort of believer in that. You, you've got to win one eventually. Um, so they were a bit unlucky. Swansea against Swansea against Sheffield United right at the end. Uh, maybe, maybe they get a lucky 2 0. But I think they'll win 2 0. Don't know why. Some of those players, maybe they'll turn up. But I live in hope. It's, it's kind of that we'll win again. Don't know where, don't know when, exactly. but I know we'll win again some other day. Exactly. Thank you, Sam. We're going to win four now. Jesus, Absolutely no on drugs <laughs> and someone should check that room right now. Absolutely okay. four now. I mean, uh, what more can I say? Maybe uh, uh, who's going to score? Well, if we're going to win four now. Uh, yeah, really struggling to see anyone who's going to score a goal. They, they must. If we're going to win 4-0, they're all going to be own goals. Sandfield hat-trick. <laughs> I like this. We're going to win 4-0, but don't ask me who's going to score. So, Sam, who's going to score? Oh, Jesus Christ, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's just going to be own goals. It's, it's the only, It must be. Otherwise, how can we win 4-0? That's some pretty, uh, pretty good logic there. I like it, Sam. Do come on again. Jesus. Right, George. <laughs> I'll bring us back down to earth. I reckon. No, don't bother. I was liking what Sam was saying. No, I reckon we get a one-nil win. But well, that's what my heart says. My head says nil-nil. But we don't win many. We don't score many at the moment. So I don't see us putting many past them. I know they're probably one of the worst teams in the division. But that's QPR's way. Always that's that's QPR's way. Always lose to the worst teams. So I'm going for a one-nil win. And I'll go for a Chris Willock goal. I reckon he may may nick one. What about the yeah, own goal? Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. People, <laughs> what Sam's trying to say on your betting slip, put down a non-goal in your bet accumulator <laughs> or bet builder, because Sam's convinced there will be one on Saturday. So please do it. Yes? Uh, well, I can't, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Joey Button did. 
Um, <laughs> Red, I think we'll we'll either draw, lose, or win, and then I'm just going to wait and see what happens. Probably, probably for the best. <laughs> now, I think I'd love to see a one nil win, but I'd actually at the point. I mean, what annoys me, ours end back to it is I placed up Middlesbrough, I placed up Huddersfield. Pin the arse. It didn't work. It was expensive. But Middlesbrough is massively expensive and it's annoying me. And I can't go because I just, just can't justify spending 200 quid in trains. They don't even know we're going to turn up. Anyway, but let's hope it's a 2 0 win. Willick and Senny Jiang from a corner. Thank you. Twice <laughs> in the season. Why the frig not? George from a corner. He'll take it and it'll go in. Frig that. He'll come in, do a 35 yard volley. And it'll all be great. And this next week's podcast will come on and say, we were miserable, but we shouldn't have been. Right. Robert, Sam and George, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And it's been open all ours. And um, hopefully, dear listeners, um, next week's podcast, we can talk about a win. That'd be nice. Thanks for listening. Come on, you ours. Yeah.